Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing good. The heat wave is over, thank God. Oh, yeah. Actually, Finally yes. Abating. Yeah, Check it's, local it's a, listings. It's not that bad here. Um, yeah. You know you know it's bad when the dogs are like, fuck this, and run back into the <laughs> air conditioning? Yeah. It's like uh, at the point when my... Um, our our HVAC got screwed up. My cat would just go into the kitchen where the tile floor is and just stretch her stomach out across the yeah. tile floor. Junebug Junebug came in one day and she just collapsed on her side on like the tile where like the current like the air current was. I'm like, oh yeah, you're done. Yeah, yeah. I know Kentucky got blasted worse than we did. Yeah. Um. Let me see. It was. Yeah, it was uh, a few days ago that the heat index was over 100. So <clears throat> I kept my fat ass inside that day. Anyway, we want to say thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one goes to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast, that is the number four, capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast. Save 10% off your order. Our other, The other shout-out I want to give is it's been a year since the uh, the floods hit eastern Kentucky. The once-in-a-century floods hit, and there are still people who uh, they're not getting housing anywhere near what they had. They're not getting uh, – there's lots of support that they're not getting. And if you would be willing to help some folks that could really use it, I'm going to recommend you go through Apple shop, A P P A L S H O P dot O R G. They'll make sure any donations get to where it needs to go. Our other shout out goes over to Matt. Uh, uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne, you know, Orlando Cologne. Some people call him the exotic one. Uh, Do they? But I just call him Orlando Cologne. <laughs> well, Matt, that sounds like a segue. It is. <clears throat> Brad, uh, why is that a segue? So uh, he's actually, would we call him a podcast favorite from the GWF stuff? Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I still, I don't know that I would, I've seen like enough of his work in general, but ev pretty much everything I've seen of his, like he's been entertainer. He's actually been like remarkably good. Yeah, so um, Adrian I might, uh, Street, I might call him podcast preferred. He beat up Jimmy Savile, so I mean, I think he has to yeah. at least be up there. Yep, he he beat the living shit out of him. <laughs> so, um, so if you did, if you hadn't heard, Adrian Street passed away at the age of I believe it was eighty, and um, 
the picture someone used is amazing because it's a picture of him in a coal mine. And I guess uh, Matt the told story, us- The story behind that is amazing. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, the story is basically it's it's a picture. Of, I you know what I don't even know where that picture was taken. I think it was on, I think it was like a picture that maybe got circulated around like a like a legitimate major newspaper mm-hmm. uh, or publication back in the day. Uh, it got circulated. It's, it's him dressed up in like the most outrageously exotic like outfit. Where mm-hmm. uh, he's wearing like his uh, championship belt. Um, it, this is it, it's so. It's so much of an exotic outfit that like Elton John back in the day would have probably like blushed at this. Like, I, I showed, the, <laughs> I, showed I showed the picture to a gay man, and um, the first thing he said was, "I love those shoes." Yeah, I think <laughs> he it's had like, platforms I, on. Yeah. yeah, he's he is looking quite exotic <laughs> and yeah. outrageous in this, uh, and he's he's standing next to like an older gentleman who's kind of like making a face. Uh, it, it's, a coal mine it's like it's dirty and it's like it that you see the juxtaposition of exotic catering street in well, this and there's dirty, a bunch of guys mine. in like yeah. the background and like some of them have like their faces are black they're so dirty yeah uh and it's just like a the very picture of like working class like not only just working class like really hard life working class uh and adrian street just being there exotic uh and the story behind that is amazing it's like it is actually that coal mine is actually where adrian when he was younger uh, before he went to wrestling that's where he worked Mm -hmm. and the man the old man that is there standing next to him is actually his father and he said afterwards it's like he 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 hated his father he hated his father he hated that coal mine like he showed back up there and in full garb as basically and having you know, this whole photo shoot and everything like that. It's basically it was him an F you. It's like yeah. I like look at you, like I, I hate everything about this. I hate all of you. Uh I made it. No one believed in that I would make it. I made it. I'm the champion. I'm dressed exotically here. Uh it's really just a big F you, but also kind of like it it became really almost like a social commentary uh, at the time. The difference between uh the the kind of emerging a social situation in Britain, which is uh, it was Britain was moving away from an industrialization uh, economy or culture uh, after the uh, World War Two uh, into kind of like an entertainment uh, like a, a culture or industry. And, I and like that was really fact, interesting. I was going to mm-hmm. say, I like. The fact that it's in black and white makes it so much better than if it was a color picture. I think if the picture was in color, it would kind of be ruined. There is a colorized version of it, and it does not take away from from the uh, the stark contrast. Okay, that's good. And it is <clears throat> it is um, it is very much a. Uh, <laughs> It is very much a statement of him being there. And um, there was an interview that I have not been able to run down, but I have seen referenced that Ben Stiller did back in the early 2000s that a large part of Derek Zoolander was based off of um, Adrian Street, (laughs) which if that's the case, the whole mining like background thing (laughs) makes even more sense. Well, and the the funny thing, Jim Cornette told a story about when he debuted on Memphis TV that he almost got them 
like canceled because so he he debuted and he's wrestling like a black jobber. And remember, this is like 1981. Mm-hmm. And he jumps in the guy's arms and kisses him right on the lips. And then when the guy like reacts negatively, he rolls him up and pins him. And Jim Cornette's like, yeah, that was like the first case of like interracial interracial homosexuality on TV. And it did not go over well. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, the most interesting thing about Adrian, not only being so ahead of his time with kind of this this glam rock line stepping gimmick was also the fact that Adrian Street was a legit tough guy and. You know, you know, he had to be in the era he was doing this. He had to be able to to throw hands. Well, that's why um, um, there was a video once. And it was in Britain, actually, the, these like young punks rolled up on these cross dressers mm-hmm. who happen to be cage fighters. And these cross dressers just beat the fuck out of them. Yes. And it's like and it's like, well, one, they're cage fighters. So you fucked up. But two, you don't fuck with those people because like especially if they're older like they've had to fight their whole life because they're weirdos and they will beat your ass mercilessly you are not the first person to step to that and i learned they've had worse come at them i learned a lesson when i was much much younger and um practicing martial you know training martial arts a lot at the time the guy you need to worry about is not the guy that looks like a gym bro because you know he may be chiseled or he may be buff or something like that but that's that's not the guy you worry about you worry about that guy over there you look at oh he ain't nothing but as it turns out he ain't nothing because he don't feel like he's got to prove anything to anybody because he's already been down that road yeah just 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 don't like i in in when i was learning boxing i learned from a guy who looked like he spent too much time at the bar that, um, that, you know, it's one of those things you kind of know appearances are deceiving and then you learn (laughs) appearances are deceiving. Like I learned that lesson through my cheekbone. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, especially like I said, they're like it, like people that live alternate lifestyles like that, especially like older ones, like had to live hard fucking lives. And like, you're not the worst no thing that's gonna roll that's ever rolled up on them you and your affliction hat are not going yeah. to intimidate them uh well i mean we talked about it before uh but appearances can be deceiving look at uh look at harley race yeah. harley race is like the, the the classic example like dude who look, basically looks like a dude that you would walk into any bar especially a dive bar and he'd be like the the fat burly like chain smoking dude sitting at the bar at the bar uh you know, tabletop, just pounding out drinks, and you wouldn't think anything of it. But if you actually got into some sort of altercation with him, oh my, no, he'd be I prob- would, he would be a problem. I would, yeah. I would, I'm gonna disagree there. That's the kind of person I'd take one look at, and I'd be like, no, like yeah. I'm gonna go sit over there, like that person, especially like if he gave you the look, it'd just be like, no, like that so. is that is the guy that you call sir and are polite to. Yeah, that is. That's, I'm going up to get something to drink, and he's sitting there. And you go, excuse me, sir, could I uh, get past you to order here? And if he goes, oh yeah, sure, then great. And if he goes piss off, then you move on down the bar yeah. and order somewhere else. It's like, piss sir, off. would you just would you just like my wallet now? 
No, I don't reckon he'd be looking to start something, but when it starts, he's going to finish it. Yeah. Um, you can see some of that sort of stuff in what in Adrian's work now and then, because you'll see there there will be sections where he gets a hold of somebody and start throwing punches, and you're like, oh, those are those are just barely working punches. Like those those could fly if he if he turned them loose. You, uh, you know what tells me that he's a tough motherfucker and he doesn't care is the match we reviewed tonight. He's in the mid South Coliseum and those fans are animals and he's going into the crowd to do stuff. And he gives no fucks. He, he doesn't. And well, we'll get into it when you get, what, what was this particular match, Brad? So this is Randy Savage taking on, um, Adrian street with miss Linda in the mid South Coliseum. And I I guess this must have they must have still had ICW on TV because this has Miss Elizabeth doing like an intro for it yeah. for ICW TV so it must have been like the very last vestiges but then it's um Lance Russell and Randy Hale is calling it and I was very yeah. confused it that was Lance too. Russell like when I heard it, when I like was watching it I I, rem- I remembered it uh, I kind of forgot <laughs> and afterwards I forgot to write down that down like my notes but it was Lance Russell I'm like ah oh, Lance Russell yeah and it's like yeah. just a kindly old uh, grandfather voice of Lance Russell like coming through my uh my speaker yeah. uh, it made me comforted you know you know how you can tell he's also a hard-ass motherfucker is sometimes when you go outside the managers, you know, don't do much, but man, Miss Linda is a fucking animal, and she is a problem. <laughs> mm. The that was one thing in this, from watching this match, that in watching it, I um, I was like, wow, Miss Linda was on offense almost more than Adrian was in the course of this, and you know full well that. That means this guy's he's not insecure in the slightest. He knows full well what he's doing. He has no problems on how they get to where they go. And I'm I'm watching this whole thing and I'm just thinking like just I'm just impressed by it because most most workers that I have been around would not have their managers do as much or more offense as they did. Because they just that just wouldn't happen. But Adrian's like, whatever. And she you was know, like, I know what I'm doing. And we're talking like she's like full on like punching him in the face, like she's kicking oh, him yeah. in the gut. Like I mean, she's a problem. Uh, she there's involved and there is Linda. She was just <laughs> she might as well have it might as well have been a handicap match. You, you hear that like yeah. shaving used in matches. Oh, it's turned into a handicap match. It's like for uh, for for valets or managers getting involved. This basically was a handicap match. Yeah, and yeah. I gotta give it to Savage. Like he he le- he like took like I mean I think some guys would be like, no, I'm not letting a woman do that. And Savage is like, yeah, just just maul me. Like I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. But that's I liked... one thing I've always appreciated about Savage as well is that the dude knew his worth. He knew how good he was. Oh yeah, and I mean. Yeah, the paranoia of of having Jake make the Cobra bite him before the match is one thing, but he also wasn't he didn't like shy from doing anything. Like he, he may have been paranoid, but he was also like, yeah, let's do the maniac Savage the maniac jumps from in the ring to the floor just by going over the top. He doesn't go through the ropes and hop down. He just grabs the top rope, hops over and drops to the floor. 
And it made my knees hurt every time he did it in this match. Do you notice how small he is in this match, like pre-steroids? Yes. He's, I mean, he's still like a big guy, but like he's, you really see how much like steroids like affected him. Yeah. That's, that's true. He's not, uh, yeah, he's not, he's not that big. Um, He's more like Manny Poffo's size. Yeah. But man, he, he can go. And this is, there's very little wrestling. This is a lot of stalling, like, because Adrian Street kind of does it at first, then Savage kind of gets back at him. Yeah. Um, to do it. And then there's a part I like where Savage just kind of sits in the crowd with someone and like takes their camera and he's just like snapping photos of stuff. I wonder if that person still has like those Randy Savage <laughs> pictures. I don't know. Savage gets in the front row because he's mad about Adrian stalling and takes the dude's hat and he's just sitting there in the front row like, fine, fine. I don't have to do that. That was great. But then they, they lock up a bit, but what, what I like that they did that I think people wouldn't understand is they, like, well, one, it was working, so they stuck with it. But then when Savage finally got a flurry on, on him, it was, like, just the right time, and they had pissed the crowd off just enough that they were, like, super into it. Mm. Yeah. But this, I mean, this is, I would say, I had a lot of fun with this, but it's not, like, if you're looking, if you're expecting, like, for a match with a bunch of holds and stuff, like, you're not going to get it with this. This is very much, like about them doing character work and annoying each other. I would call this almost entirely a psychology match. Yeah. We're not doing holds. You're not. This is all about doing the psychology of getting the crowd's involvement up. And this is probably to tease you to get you back in the Mid-South Coliseum next week to see them actually Mm. wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, really smartly done i'm sorry matt you were going to say something well just in general i I just have two things i want to say about uh adrian street uh i will this is this is not one of them but i do generally like i like the whole the juxtaposition of him you know prancing around uh like a like a poof (laughs) and kind of like being that it kind of disarms people Mm-hmm. They think one thing, and then he uh, he turn he, when he wants to, he can turn into like just this like stone cold killer, like the just a a shooter basically. That's what just I. The, that's actually yeah. one thing I love about him is if you watch other matches, he'll be doing that. Like he'll just be prancing around like like you said, and then the bell rings, and then the next thing you know, he's just mauling some guy mm-hmm. like mercilessly, yeah. and like no more flamboyant anything. It's just like oh, it's go time. Like I'm gonna kill you now. Yeah. yeah. That's why uh, those punches looked like they were straight up, like just barely working punches. Yeah, he's such a uh, he's such a one of a kind talent, really. Like, I can't think of yep. anyone else that like. Well, for one thing, like, I know he's probably like what you would call like a stereotypical gay character, but I feel like his portrayal has a lot more layers to it. Yes, there are layers to it. Um, but that was one of the. Go ahead. He's like the first, he's also the only guy I can think of that really incorporated into it. Like he's such like a glam rock icon type character. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what I was, one of the two points I wanted to make was that uh, he was like a trailblazer for that. Cause he was essentially not necessarily stated as such, 
but the the kind of like implication was that he was you know this this gay character mm-hmm. uh and he wasn't in real life like adrian street the real man like was not uh to my knowledge homosexual no i think he married uh, miss linda he did marry yeah. miss linda i don't believe he was even you know like in real life like a bisexual or anything else i think he was just straight up like straight man but uh he portrayed this character, which again, he never, he never, to my knowledge, ever said, yes, oh yes, I'm playing a gay character or anything like that. He was just playing, as he said, an exotic character. He was, uh, like, like you said, the best, the best way to describe it is he was presenting more like a, like a glam rock, like this really flamboyant character, but not specifically like gay. But, uh, and, and nowadays, like there, people would probably be like offended. It's like, oh, straight man playing like a uh what what's perceived as a gay character even though he's not saying it's gay but i feel like i feel like in context if you watched him in like context like actually watched the footage and like took into mm. co- to account the time like i kind of feel like he's so counterculture and subversive like i don't see like how someone could be like super offended by him like i think but... some people would be but like he's really he's really different like i don't feel like he's a stereotype no, he he isn't. Uh, and I my my take would probably be if people would try. I imagine there would be obviously some people because like people always get offended. Uh, I don't think that people people would probably get offended. Some people would, but I think in general, like he actually, I think kind of like paved a way for actual like LGBTQ wrestlers to be out there because it's like he he was straight, but he kind of like kind of showed like oh you can go out there you can be like exotic and flamboyant and everything like that and you can still get the crowd behind you or you can still get the reactions from the crowd that you want but you're the one driving it yeah and i think that really in in the the decades since that has really kind of shown people uh and some people look at uh look at the independent scene like effie actual like lgbtq wrestler uh and to the extent he's actually very popular uh of the wrestler on the indie scene people really like buy into his stuff uh but he's someone who like he kind of took that lesson where it's like i'm gonna master it i'm gonna elicit the reactions i want from the crowd and he does like he people get into it people like laugh people have like a good time when he comes out and wrestles my, my favorite was matt cardona when they did that chain match Mm-hmm. And Matt Cardona is like choking him with the chain, and it doesn't work because he's into that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, the other thing I want to mention about like Adrian Street is in real life, like it actually one of the. I almost feel like you never see this anymore. You don't even see this like in culture anymore. But it generally, like it actually is incredibly heartwarming to me that he was with Miss Linda for like decades. Mm-hmm. she was his valet they obviously were involved eventually they got married uh and they were together like to get just together as, as partners as you know on air partners for like decades and i think that that's kind of rare nowadays like to even see people together for that long it's like more like an old older generation but that's really cool especially in wrestling which the wrestling business can be like skeevy yeah sadly it does especially like the british scene uh, so yeah, them actually what, having this, he's such a wholesome, like he is kind of yeah. a wholesome dude. Yeah. If you legit, like yeah. legit, if you go back and watch the, uh, if you go on YouTube and look for the wrestling shoot interviews section with, um, Adrian street, he's sitting there talking. Miss Linda's sitting there in frame with him. 
you're just sitting there hanging out and he's talking. And that's where you get the story of him beating the living hell out of Jimmy Seville, which gets and, in bonus points. Yes. But here was the, the interesting thing on, he said, well, we knew he had girls in his room. We didn't know how young they were. But the reason he beat him up is because the promoter in Seville were he's like, I'm coming back next week. I'm having a world title match against this guy. And you want this guy over here to beat me. This guy over here who thinks he's a tough guy, but he's some Ponzi you know, TV presenter. And it just ended up beating the living hell out of him because he's like, nope. I ain't putting you over. That ain't happening. And, you know, that they are, um, you know, just just the fact that it was straight up wrestling stuff that he beat the piss out of Jimmy Seville for is like, it's like, oh, because Seville apparently thought he was a tough guy. And then he he learned very quickly he was not. Given everything we uh, we now know about Jimmy Seville, it's like, no, actually, you should beat him up some more. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, take a breather, drink a glass of water, and then continue. Beat him up some more. Yeah. Well, I also want to say, though, when he does, like, the flamboyant stuff, though, there it's different when he does it, too, to, like, some of the more stereotypical characters you saw. Because with him, it's more of a, like, this is kind of what you expect me to do, so I'm going to do it just to, like, fuck with you even more. Mm-hmm. Like, the there's, thing... a, there's a certain, ahead, like, there's, like... It's just different when he does it. Like, there's a certain, like, yeah, this is what you want me to do, but, like, I don't care. Like, here, have your, have your, you know, have your stereotype, and then I'm going to go do my job. Yeah. It, from, especially watching this match, I'm just watching it and thinking to myself, it's like, Goldust was almost just a straight ripoff in a different decade. And that's not... A bad thing. Dustin Rhodes did a good job with the gimmick, but it was not as groundbreaking, <laughs> shocking, not as groundbreaking as Vince would want you to believe it was. Um, and that's not a knock on Dustin. Dustin did a great job with a gimmick and it had way more life in it than you would figure that it it would. But how similar it was to Adrian. Um, is uh, sometimes you get a surprising reminder of that. You know what surprised me about this match, though? And one other thing about Adrian Street, though, is they actually did manage to successfully turn him face in, like, Alabama and Knoxville in the late 80s, just to Mm. give you an idea. But, But what shocked me here is he actually, at a couple points, like some of the stuff he was doing, he got a couple of pops and some laughs from the crowd and not, like, Mm -hmm. like, legitimately like he got some like oh yeah like the people were just like oh yeah this is like he's being entertaining like he got some appreciation that kind of shocked me yeah knowing how well adrian seemed to know the business like i wasn't expecting it but I, i don't guess it would surprise me if that makes sense and he's weird he's weird too if you watch him in that era because wrestling's like so behind a lot of times on cultural stuff mm-hmm. like i actually think AEW's a little weird in the sense that they feel almost like modern <laughs> but it's kind of he like watching him in like stuff and even here i mean memphis got him but it's kind of like 
when you got like those old bookers in WCW in the late eighties and you could tell they didn't understand like sting because he was too like, like sting was like sting was kind of a little ahead of the curves and he was like nineties, like right before the nineties hit and like older Mm -hmm. bookers didn't get it. But like when you watch Adrian street and stuff, it's like, Oh, this is like, this is like actually of like that, like the current climate of like pop culture. And that's really bizarre to see in wrestling. Yeah. Like he was in the cutting edge. Like I said, he was almost like a counterculture, like gimmick coming to wrestling. Yeah. And, and not, uh, how can I put this and not a big, um, not like a well-known counterculture thing that, that people would hear like, this was something that still wasn't widely seen. Yeah. So, but it's it's good. It's worth watching. What what would they search for to find it on YouTube, Brad? Uh, just Randy Savage or Sage Street should bring it up. Okay. Okay, so we're gonna go to something. Um, how shall we say less good? It, well, no, mm-hmm. it's still good. So this is it's, from. It's it's fascinating. Yes. Yes. Well, so I, I looked up other clips for this promotion. I'm kind of obsessed with whatever this was because there's another match with Jumpy Jeff Farmer taking on a guy called Motley Cruz. That's the one that the, the nefarious promo was about. Yeah. And OK, and hey, everybody I always, at home just got to say this. This is that Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Yeah. Yep. And it's that one. This, so this is Jumpin' Jeff Farmer versus Tony the Spider. And so the first thing that you're struck by is just this is the most low rent of like low rent promotions. I don't even know where it is or what year this is. I'm guessing this is like the mid to late 80s, possibly early 90s. And I'm guessing this is somewhere in the south. If the, I had to uh, guess the vi- the quality of the video is like it's bad. 1999 and you're using real one player to watch a 144 well, P video this kind of like, stuff. This is like a VHS that like you copied over your grandma's stories that had like been copied over six times like quality. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it the, on, the video um, quality is not great on the six hour setting too, not the two or four hour <laughs> yes. setting because you had to get the most out of that damn tape. <laughs> Uh, hold on, I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, the promotion is called IPW. I think it's International it Pro like, Wrestling. The the full name was on there, but I mean that it was a generic ass name. Looks like it was it ran. It was based out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm seeing like late 80s. That feels right. Uh, I have literally never heard of this before, before we watched this match. Never heard <laughs> it's of that. Of, I had never heard of it either, and then I did some research, and this is kind of like a meme promotion. <laughs> I mean, poor Jumpin' Jeff Farmer gave <laughs> the worst promo. I mean, he is trying so... I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've seen the promo. But if you haven't, go look it up. The the The, the announcer they have there... Like just in the promo video kills me because he is trying so hard to. He's got a good voice, but we're gonna go to our interview interview with Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Let's go down to the interview. I'm here with Jumpin' Jeff Farmer, and he's he's trying so hard, but it's like your cues are way off. And then he Jeff Farmer has the most earnest look on his face, 
he's trying so hard and it's such a god awful promo and he keeps he keeps hitting these things he should he should be making like believable threats that don't cut the other person down and he does in a terrible way and he's you're not supposed to have like the same voice all the time and so he varies his volume in a terrible way and he makes threats and he screws up idioms and it's i mean but he you can tell it's so earnest he's trying so hard that's what i was gonna say about this match is it it hits all the hallmarks of a good b movie and that it's not lazy um they don't totally suck like there is earnest effort and trying and they do have like some modicum of talent that just doesn't work and goes horribly awry it's it's a compelling match to me because first off the production values are just so bad (laughs) and the crowd is like super small it i can't even say like because i've actually seen wrestling matches or wrestling shows in a high school gym Mm -hmm. like i don't even know if it's like high school gym level like it's i was i was thinking if, if if anyone brad probably has has seen this but if you've ever it's on it's free this is by the way this is also free like on youtube you can search for it yeah but if you ever watched the choco pro uh promotion from japan and that's a promotion Mm -hmm. that uh was started by emi sakura uh and pretty much mostly is is run by uh, may saruga who has been on AEW? She's often like she's uh, been with uh, Emi Sakura, kind of like as her second. Um, it's also done by uh, who's the other wrestler? Chi Koshinaka. Anyway, that is literally done with like a camera, and it's done essentially like a room. Yeah. And they don't have a ring. They don't have anything. It's a room with like a window, like a window that like leads into like a hallway or something. It's not even like a window to the outside. Are it's you like talking li- about, um, Oh crap. What's it called? I watched it on YouTube. It's really bizarre. Choco pro. Yes. Choco pro. Yeah. I love Choco. Wait, wait, was Actually, Minoru Suzuki in that briefly? Oh, he's done everything. Not, he's probably just made an appearance, but okay. it's, I it's think a, I saw that. I'm calling it a promotion, but literally like the whole thing, the whole place, like the room and everything that, that it happens on. It's probably like as big as your like living room. Oh like, no, it's smaller. It's 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 super small. It's maybe again, no bedroom. ring, no ropes. It's really just people doing the moves to each other, and it's oftentimes it can be very like it's comedy based a lot. Yeah, that right there has better production values <laughs> and has been a run than this IPW stuff. Yeah, uh, and <sighs> Jeff Farmer is so green in this. Tony the Spider is not very good, and that's being kind yeah because i feel like i feel like and shad might disagree with me i um there were a couple of massive botches but i feel like they were all on tony the spider not being able to take moves properly i would not say it's that he did not take it properly it's i would say that it it was mistimed Mm. and so there's a time for an inside cradle and i'd have to go back and watch it again but it at least gut my gut says that when Jeff Farmer went for this inside cradle, the timing was off on it, which is why it wasn't a, a nice clean inside cradle. And that victory roll when it got screwed up, like 
it, it was either the timing was off or to be honest, they just kind of lost it on the way through. Um, I had a case with a guy I was working, uh, this, I swear this, this is going to be relevant. I was working a show at a County fair and I went to do a sunset flip. Both me and the other guy, like my gear was, I had a singlet on and then I had like loose pants on over the top of it. That was the look I was good with. And he's wearing a singlet and I'm, I'm going over him to do a sunset flip and I just lost him on the way over. Like I'm trying to hook my hands on the way and somewhere, I don't know where I just lost it. It kind of seemed to me on that, that victory roll attempt that the, somewhere it just kind of got lost. And I don't know where I would lay that one, but man, you, you know, that, that they were so big on Jeff with that victory roll. Cause they went back to it. Um, that was probably his big move. Yeah, it probably was. And like I said, they just, they tried so hard. They were trying, they were being so earnest. And I, I like, cause you know, this is like some low rent podunk thing. of like, we have a guy that can do a drop kick and a victory roll. Like, you don't, that doesn't come through the door every day. in like this small, like <laughs> piss ant independent promotion. Yeah. Uh, Chad, I'm with you. It's, yeah. I, you want to, I wanted to dislike it. There's a lot of things that are negative for it, but they were earnest and they were trying and they were, they were arguably they were working up to their skill level. Well, I feel it's, like, and I feel like the difference between this, like in the Irish assassin and Samson is, um, oh, not even <laughs> nowhere near as bad as that. No, but yeah. like Tony, the spider wasn't very good, but he wasn't incompetent. And I actually feel like I might be way off here. I feel like, Jumping Jeff Farmer had a touch of talent and some actual potential to him. I feel like he was Jeff was not in the full training he needed to be like he had some he had some skill. He had some inclination, but he did not have all the training that he needed to have. And in doing so. He is it. It. It's just not all there. Yeah. And I don't lay that at his feet. It it may also be to be 100 percent. It may also be just the simple fact that he's green. It's an early match for him. And he's, you know, he's out there getting his reps in and, and trying to do the thing. OK, but, but he felt to me like I'm, I'm maybe way off, but he felt like. He felt like he had enough potential that he could have gone to Japan and worked like a third rate promotion, maybe mm. popped up in WCW or like WWE as like a, as a job guy, maybe WCW like later in the 90s. If he hung around, he might be a guy that like wins like some opener on like a C-level house show. Like, uh, are you saying that Jumpin' Jeff Farmer could have been like hard work Bobby Walker? touch lower than that i don't think he yeah. would have won on tv maybe like one on like some oh hey we're in like um we're in like this small town with you know working in front of 500 people but you know we want to bring wcw there and he's like beating i don't know Lasertron in the <laughs> opener <laughs> <laughs> wow 
All right. <clears throat> no, I appreciate that you pulled that name. But my God, that the fact that you pulled that name was so funny. Or Doc Dean. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it. Yeah. But he, he doesn't feel like I don't look at him and say, wow, that guy sucks. I feel like uh, he's got a lot of problems, but I could have seen like in a different world, he could have. He could have had like a low level successful career. He could have. Uh, he could have got a like, Easy. for example, like like FMW. Yeah, he could have been an day. ECW guy if he if he stuck around, too. I want to clarify for me. So. This is someone different because, I mean, he's wrestling not does NWO's have, thing. He's not NWO's okay, yeah, because wrestling does yeah. have Jeff Farmer, aka like Cobra and WCW, and then became NWO Sting. No, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure jumping Jeff Farmer. If we got if we if we got him like if we threw him in the ocean, he might weigh 155 pounds. Yeah, and and fake Sting was a a beefier boy. Yeah. I think NWO's thing would have been like 1.75 Jeff Farmers. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to do in the future. The is Jeff we, Farmer system. Yeah, it's a Jeff Farmer scale. Yeah, how much does this guy weigh? That'd be five Jeff Farmers is how much that guy weighs. Hey, Yoko's weighing in at seven Jeff Farmers. <laughs> Damn it, you stole my joke. Especially on here as a wrestling. He might have been eight Jeff Farmers on that show. Eight and a half. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was that was it was a dumb joke that I did during COVID because I'm a bit over six feet. And I would tell people, it's like, are you staying one shed away from each other? That's and, funny. Yeah. You know, and and the and uh, at some point, my kids made me a unit. How much I could lift became a unit of measure. That's like two of what daddy can lift. And I'm like, you know what? Sure. You know we'll we go. we might need to we might need to go find if uh, Jeff's still alive and and weigh him to make sure he doesn't weigh as much <laughs> as a duck because we might have to burn him as a witch. So <laughs> well, there we're going for an old callback. Um, <laughs> he doesn't look like a witch, <clears throat> but we could just put a nose on him. Yeah, you can put the nose on him and it'd be fine. This match was interesting because it is not great. This is like the kind I saw these kinds of matches on shows I worked with guys trying real hard to do a real good job and they just weren't weren't there. And so like Matt said this match is fascinating and I don't hate it, but I also can't call it good. <laughs> It's rather, not good. It's just it's 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 almost a compelling match in the sense that it's bad, but they are trying hard. They're legit trying. And they're and, again, like I said, they're trying arguably to the best of their skill level. And and um what's his what's his Tony the Spider actually doesn't do a terrible job healing towards the crowd to keep them into it. No. Uh, they're you actual know, and I would actually say their general this is going to sound I don't know you might disagree but I feel like their general structure of the match and their pacing was actually good I feel like their pacing would have been good if they had been able to keep stuff together 
Yeah. Um, they. The I mean, it was pretty standard structure and that's fine. It's it's classic for a reason. But the the execution was bad, but they're like the general idea they were going with was like competent. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was it was a solid. It was a solid try. We'll go with that. Um. Again, it's the they had some semblance of an idea of what they were doing. Yes, yes, uh, I, I'm with that. If you want, look, if you're out there listening and you're like, I don't understand, don't. We've said this isn't good, but I would think it's worth your time finding it. It's okay, worth go. your time, I think, to see what guys a shade above terrible can do if left to their own devices it's it's not quite it, like on my scale if you have a match that's fine there's nothing wrong with having a match that's fine this match is not fine um but it's it's not bottom of the barrel so i think it's it's worth it to have one in your quiver that you look at and go that's not good but i i don't hate it <laughs> yeah they they really there's a certain charm to it in that their in their effort. Yeah. Because it's not like I I mean I don't know there used to be like a low rent indie on TV here in the 90s, and it's not like that where it's a bunch of like old guys that have been doing it forever that don't want to take bumps or do anything entertaining like they were actually trying. Yeah. So do we want to go? Oh. Do we want to go to the cherry on top of our Sunday this week? Because this is what I've wanted to do on the podcast for a really long time. <laughs> so we're, we're jumping way far into the future. So we're going to 2017. And this is um, this is Scott Steiner and Josh Matthews versus Jeremy Borash and Joseph Parks from Slammiversary 2017. So what so this is kind of I would say this is like kind of a broken Hardy verse style match. I it, it is not a full-on cinematic thing but they they have so much fun with this. They are having so much fun with this match. Like that, Scott Steiner is literally it's ripping scenery down so he can chew on it. <laughs> Scott Steiner I feel like every every sentence Scott Steiner said in the course of this match, he felt like he had to say fat asses in the middle of. And this is this is actually I think this is when I, I saw this around when it happened. This was kind of an eye opening experience for me with Scott Steiner, where I realized like, oh, like he's like super self-aware because what you'll notice in this match is Scott Steiner is actually aware enough of like himself that he can. He does stuff in this that subverts his own character mm-hmm. in like small ways. And you're and you come out and you're like, well, like he has a sense of humor, one, but two, like he actually like under like he he gets it like he gets what people think he is, what thinks like of him and stuff. I uh, there there's one line in it that for me just sells Scott Steiner's humor in it. Is they're they're going down the uh, 
they're they're going somewhere and they had just gotten sprayed sprayed with a fire extinguisher and Scott looks over at Josh I think Scott looks at Josh Matthews and goes you know that fire extinguisher powder makes your teeth look really white and he goes really thanks <laughs> I'm just like okay well, I this, think he's this like, is that kind of match. He's like, you think I look like he's like you. You look crazy. He's like, I think I look like a clown. <laughs> I just like they stop. He's like tapioca. Like you fat asses. <laughs> this okay. This match starts at the ring, and yes, Matthews and Borash are not wrestlers. And at the time, Joseph Park's not presented as a wrestler. He's, Was he? No, he's kind of like the cowardly lion. Yeah. By the way, like I had seen it from some of the clips of his work with AJ Styles over in WWE, but his facial expressions are amazing. He's yeah, he's good in this. He's really good in this. Because I I like that. I like because he's kind of like a coward. I like the part where he's kind of like getting kicked and then Matthews does a cross body and just like bounces off of him. <laughs> that was a great, and then he's just kind of like, Oh, that's a like, great spot. And he's like, kind of like, <laughs> and he's like, Oh, okay. And then he just kind of runs over him with a shoulder tackle. Yeah. But that was, that was, that was great. There's a couple other things they did, but, um, so that, so then this quickly devolves cause, um, both Joseph Parks and Jeremy Borash don't want to mess with Scott Steiner. So they run backstage and then um, Scott Steiner and Matthews commandeer a golf cart and are chasing them backstage. While Scott Steiner repeated Scott Steiner probably says fat ass about 25 times during this whole segment. Yeah. And then they so then um, Park and Borash spray them with fire extinguishers. So then they commandeer a car and are chanting roadkill while Scott Steiner's telling him to um, run them over. Run their fat asses over in a Ford Flex. Yeah. And which, like, just the car choice is funny by itself. Well, I like how the guy's just like, hey, it's Big Papa Pump, and he smacks his hand on the, on the <laughs> top of the car and tosses him out. <laughs> it's just, like, such unnecessary violence. So, uh, it... It's cartoony and yet not over the top at the same time, if that makes sense. No, I honestly think Scott Steiner's brilliant in this. There, I don't think there's any part of this that from like because let, let's make no bones about it. This is a comedy match that starts as kind of a silly thing and then makes its way down the path to the absurd. And I loved it. I loved the the just absolute bonkers path that they take to get where they go. Yeah, because we're about to get into the crazy stuff. (laughs) The first part of the crazy stuff, because it doesn't stop there. So then then they kind of head off in separate directions, and so they get out of the the, the SUV to to follow them. So Scott Steiner chases... Well, to do that since it's simpler. So Scott Steiner chases down Joseph Park, beats him up, tosses him through, like, this wood enclosure... So then we go to the, the Jeremy Borash and Josh Matthews part. So Matthews tosses, um, char- I mean, he charges Borash and he backs body drops him into a pool. And because it's a pool, um, Borash, which I was impressed by, does like a flipping senton onto him in the he, pool. Yeah, quite, quite well. Like, yeah. <laughs> like flip. 
Yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, he brought his A game to this the entire thing. He he yeah. was really good for a non wrestler in this, I thought. He, this is someone who's obviously like he's he's a fan. He's very into the wrestling scene, uh, obviously because he's you know he's <laughs> been a commentator and everything like that. He basically was like, you know what, I'm only gonna do like one of these probably in my lifetime. So let me let me bring my A game and and really like take it to heart and try my best. And he did. It was. Yeah. It was he was entertaining throughout, but please continue. So then they're fighting under the water, and then Josh Matthews like starts choking him underwater, and it, this is absurd as, as it sounds. But then um, it flips back, and then you start hearing Jaws music, and then there's a fin, <laughs> which, for one thing, the crowd popped huge the second the fin came on s- camera, and I, I messaged him, like, did you pop for this? <laughs> and then it's, it is, it is, and because... It made me so happy. I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, there better be a shark boy in that pool. And God damn it, there was a shark boy in the pool. <laughs> and shark boy bites Matthews. And they both go running out of the pool and shark boy pops. Oh, shell. Yeah. Like, I don't remember what the, the, uh, the Steve Austin shark boy gimmick was called. And I don't but... remember either. But yeah, he's he's doing. I think Matt, I think you said it. He has the voice on lock. Uh, he yeah, for some reason I don't know why, but Impact just had a good run of guys like basically cosplaying his other guys <laughs> like Shark, Shark Boy, like doing a, a Steve Austin impression, like Jay Lethal did. You know, Ric Flair back in the day, Nature. Well, he did, voice, he did Black me. Machismo too, which I wish I wish Impact. Yeah. I mean, I wish AEW would go back to that because Jay Lethal is so much better as Black mm. Machismo. Yeah. So then, um, so then we go back to Joseph Parks, and then someone's walking through the the Boy, smoke. It's got to set it up right because it's it's the boots. Oh yeah, that the, make this the spiked boots. Like they're kind of like the Sheik's boots. They're cowboy like like red snakeskin cowboy boots with the upswing tips. Yeah. Mm. And it's James Mitchell walking through the smoke and he hands Joseph Parks the abyss match. The, the abyss mask. Mm-hmm. And, and so, he, he does that big laugh. Yeah. And then so you get Jeremy Borash and Josh Matthews running back to the ring and the crowd's chanting, holy shit, at this. This is actually what's interesting is this is like a, you can tell this is like a super jaded wrestling crowd. And this got over like massively. This is it. Well, this might be the most meme match I can remember because it's not like, you know, hey, we're going to turn this into an internet meme. It's we are going to just have fun doing goofy stuff, and we're going to do it, and we're going to enjoy this, and we're going to lean in. Like, they did great with it's, this. I would say this is actually really good. Like, it's not like I would not star this, but this is, like, worth watching because it is massively entertaining the whole way through because it's so stupid. It's stupid. I, <laughs> I didn't understand this match. I don't mean that like, oh, I'm confused about it. it it's just like it went from like it kind of started off like your standard like two wrestlers again with two non wrestlers or, you know, very like one off wrestlers guys uh, working a match. And then it just got progressively more bizarre and wackier to the end. Finish the match. 
with basically thumbtacks. Yeah. Yes. And it's it's I'm like, what the hell was I watching? <laughs> what the and hell who did I goes watch? in who goes in the thumbtacks? The non wrestlers go in the thumbtacks. Yeah. Yes. So they get they get back in the ring and um Matthew says he wants to finish him off. And I have to give it to Borash. He hits a better spear than Edge does. <laughs> it's not a hug of doom. Like he hits a pretty good. I mean, it was a pretty good spear. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him like a lot of credit for that. And so then um so then they kind of start double teaming him, and Scott's gonna go put him in the Steiner recliner, but Josh Matthews wants to do it. Then Shark Boy comes out, um, gets beaten up, and um the one thing I, I did notice, you could tell if Scott was calling spots with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what can you do? And um, then Scott Steiner finally goes to put uh, Borash into the Steiner recliner. And I have to say, Borash sold it really well. Yeah. And you, then well, as well as you can sell Scott Steiner at that age doing the Steiner recliner, which is basically just a squatting chin lock. Yeah. But... And then the the old school Abyss music hits to a massive pop, and James mm-hmm. Mitchell's out there laughing. They turn around, and Abyss is there. He runs him over, like, pretty much runs over everyone. James Mitchell hands him a bag of tacks. He goes to choke slam Matthews, but Matthews, like, kicks him in the balls. He, he hits the ropes. Black hole slam with some aiming, so he gets him dead center in the tacks. And then Jeremy yep. Borash... Does a frog splash off the top rope into Matthews into the tax mm-hmm. and Abyss pins him for the, the three count and you could just see Borash like covered in tax. Oh yeah. yeah, cause he sits up and he's got his he's looking at his hands and he's damn near crying. Like it is I was super impressed yeah. with them. Because that wasn't a baby bump he took it i mean matthews didn't take a baby bump either yeah that's true but the first time i saw it, I was like i think this match is hilarious and like just awesome i had i had a good time watching this it was a lot of fun because i actually think in the way steiner like sells the absolute confusion of like the abyss music hitting, but I just thought the payoff of like abyss coming back was, was a good like payoff to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with it. Like I said, this is, this match is utter bonkers and, but in a good way, the, the only, the only, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? The only thing that I would hold against it is you need background knowledge of of these guys to really enjoy the whole thing but there's not really another good way to do it so yeah you need to kind of understand like the joke you need to understand like previous relationships you have to know the promotion well enough to when they're in the pool to be like there better be a shark boy in that pool (laughs) it's like if i was going to have my wife watch this, I would have to do a bunch of explaining early on, which would also then ruin some of the surprise. Yeah. Or I'd have to be pausing pretty regularly to be like, no, okay, wait, hang on. Because you have to know who James Mitchell is. You have to know that he managed Abyss. You have to know that Joseph Park is Abyss without the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's known that he's Abyss without the mask. And you have to know, like, 
the abyss character like if you know all that stuff like the references make a lot of sense but otherwise i think it would be a jumbled mess yeah it, it, it was it was just uh, a just a mess of things but it would and totally bizarre and absolutely absurd but it worked if you if you know the references it's kind of brilliant in how it works like it gives you kind of like i said like there are dumb things that you would never think you wanted until it happens like shark boy being in the pool is like something you wouldn't know you wanted until it happened <laughs> and yet there he is it it is yeah if you know what you're getting into this is a lot of fun to watch and you absolutely should yeah it's it's just it's too much fun not to watch you just just go find it just just go find it and watch it you'll you'll have a good time it'll captivate you the whole way because everybody does such a good job the whole time and i also respect I also respect that they knew they couldn't have a good match with like how they set that up, so they just did something stupid with it. I suspect they knew going in they were going to do something stupid, but oh yeah, I mean they they obviously filmed all that stuff, and even there's like little details I thought were funny, like how they got out of a pool and they weren't wet when they were, they kind of got <laughs> oh, their yeah. hair wet. Yeah, yeah, it's it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I knew why they didn't, because you can't go out there and fucking wrestle and you don't want to get in thumbtacks all soaking wet, but that added <laughs> you, some of the humor. You don't it. want to do it in chlorine water. You know, there were plenty of times when I would, like, I'm going out to the ring, I took a spray bottle and I'd wet my hair and, like, some of my upper body down just because it that way it wasn't so damn hot. Mm-hmm. Um. If, if you ever want – if you're ever like, why does everybody come through the curtain with wet hair? It's like because it's hot, and it helps keep you cool. That's that's – honestly, that's the biggest reason. And honestly, like – and I I know because they've run venues like that. When you go to some of those smaller indies, you're in a fucking building in 90-degree weather with no AC. Yeah. Or the people inside – the number of people inside is overpowering the AC. Yes. Or you just need uh, or you just need the air molecules to keep the BO away. <laughs> Something, but it's just trust me. They guys come out like they come out with their hair wet and stuff. Just it's a Well, I mean, it's a practical thing. I Sometimes would, people need to come out with their hair wet and then spit water. I would, <laughs> I would do it because my hair spit water. Water runs down my banana nose. <laughs> I would do it because my hair has its mind of its own and it likes to stick up because I have like curl like deep into my hair. Yeah. So I would do it just to keep my fucking hair down. Well, if you come, here's the thing: if you come out to the ring and your hair is wet, whatever happens over the course of the match just looks like it happens because of what happened in the match, and it. It actually kind of works because my hair is thick and will try and do what it wants to do. Yeah, that's the way mine is. So it, it is. I have a lot of gray hair and it's it's evened out. But when I was younger and like I was getting my gray hair, like mm-hmm. for those of you that are really young, when you get gray hair, gray hair is not the same consistency as your regular hair. So as you're going gray, like your hair is going to stick out all the time. 
because of the gray hairs. They don't behave. Yep. Depending. It's different from person to person. Some mine, of them are going to fight back, and some of them are just going to be your regular hair without mine color. Mine jerks. <laughs> okay. Like, because my hair is, like, super, like, fine and, like, soft, and my gray hairs are, like, super coarse, so it did not go well together. All right. Oh, man. So that was fun. It was. I'm, I'm glad we watched it. That that might be my second favorite Impact slash TNA thing to watch. Yeah, I think it's the first Impact thing we've done. Yeah. We've. I think we've referenced... We talked about Moose and Omega. I know we talked about that. And we talked well, about Rich Swan and Omega. We Yeah, we referenced those. My, my favorite is... And it's not because of this, but my favorite is what I think is regarded as the best TNA match, period, which was the three-way with um, AJ Styles, uh, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe. The one where they forgot halfway through and Daniels... Where they went to the finish early. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And Daniels and Styles are sitting there like, wait, I think you messed up. Like, no, I think I'm, like... I think you messed think up, you... and Joe's like, what are you guys doing? Like, I know what's going on. <laughs> it's like, okay, we've got to do something. Hey, Joe, here's what – and Joe's like, I know what I'm doing! <laughs> Hearing uh, Christopher Daniels tell that story is amazing. But <laughs> – I like the sting return that they did. And I, I like I, – I feel like the Jeff Jarrett reign of doom gets really um, kind of oversold in hindsight. Like people get really stuck on that. And it's like, it's not even as bad as triple H. Like the triple H thing was way longer and he never got like, he never got ended like Jarrett did. That, yeah, that he definitely needed to be ended properly. Because I sent you how they ended pretty much like Jeff Jarrett, the main eventer. It's pretty much, it's, um, it's like their first big pay-per-view outside of the impact zone he guitar st- shot sting sting no sells it and pretty much just punches him out and scorpion death locks him to win the title and that's the end of jeff jarrett like ever having the world title again and there's this great scene they got that wasn't in the video i sent you but it's like sting celebrating with the title and you can just see jeff jarrett like sitting in the corner like just totally like depressed that he lost the title <laughs> but like that's how you end like a, a main event heel run yeah you, you 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 have to you have to break the heel like that you've got to be overcome and move on to new things because otherwise it's it's unfulfilling it's um Oh God! Now I can't remember our tier list. Here I was. I was gonna make a, a callback, and it, it's like going to KFC. I mean, yeah, you got food, but you're not you're not happy with it. Yeah. And the original LAX, like where they had their own entrance, and they would come in, and that guy was announcing them in Spanish, and they were just coming out like through the crowd in their own entrance, and they had made their like announce table that they put a fence up around and stuff like that. Original LAX was like badass. Yeah, yeah. There, there's stuff that they did that TNA and Impact did very well, and then there's stuff they did not. And um, 
when your extremes are that far apart, it's uh, it's a tough balancing act. Eric Young's back though. He actually is. So did he have to just have a match with? Did he have a match with? Uh, oh crap! I just Nick Aldis because Nick, Nick Nick Aldis like rat up with the company like he's uh, yeah. I think he's gonna try to go with uh, WWE, but yeah, like Eric Young. Someone noted this. Uh, I'm sure there's like a lot. There's more to the story, but just assume it. Take it at face value. Uh, people are noting that that Eric Young of all people had the balls that you know people like uh, Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins or those other people didn't have. Because Eric Young was like, no, I don't want to work for for Vince McMahon. He's a horrible piece of shit. Uh, and did and and got his release. Now, I'm, there's more to it in the sense like, well, what were they going to really do with Eric Young? Like he was there for like months, they didn't use him. Yeah. That said, it's like he could have just like been like, oh, okay, I'll just sit here and take a paycheck. They they botched but he his, didn't. They botched his stable horribly. They did. Because remember we watched that one in NXT where they even like sacrificed their man. Like um, oh, I can't think of her name. They they uh, what's Man, my brain's not working tonight. Who's the crazy girl that was a superhero that they Nikki Cross. Nikki, Nikki Cross. Cross yeah. When they totally like sacrificed her to win a match. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But they, they they had a really good uh <clears throat> they had a really good um like dynamic in that group. Yeah, and then they never used them on the main roster. Shock. Yeah. But he's also I think he because he did that Travel Channel show for a long time, so I think Eric Young is, like, set forever. Oh, wow. I didn't know he did that. He, he likes it. I had, um, what's the, my wife, no, my brother sent me something. I don't know if it was clipped from a YouTube video or whatever, but it was just a short clip where the, um, so they're like, okay, we're here with a real wrestler, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take one of the chops and see how it goes. And it's the the host, and he's not an in shape guy, but he's got his shirt off. And Eric Young looks at him, and goes, "You sure you want to do this?" He goes, "Yeah, man, just how you do it in the ring, okay?" And Eric Young looks at him, okay, and then you hear that, like you see him wind up and do it, and the guy like doubles over and like drops to his knees in the grass, and he's just like, "Oh God, that's." And, it's like, yeah. That's one that's... of my favorite con stories for like ever is when um, Bad Luck Fale was at a con here and someone offered him 25 bucks to chop him. Mm-hmm. And so then people lined up for it and then he got tired. So he started charging 50 bucks because he got tired of chopping people. That was uh, that was at the they did like a Bullet Club uh, event at uh, when it was. Which no one, it was a few years back. It was the most recent uh, WrestleMania uh, in New York, and like Bullet Club, New Japan, Bullet, really it was Bullet Club. Bullet Club did like a, an event, like a watching party or something, uh, a, a get together <laughs> that afternoon, and that yeah, it was the Bullet Club and, and Bad Luck Fale was part of that. And he's like, he didn't he didn't come up with that. He's just like some like oh, dudes came up to like yeah, I'll pay you like twenty bucks to like chop me on the chest. He's like, okay. <laughs> it's like they're agreeing to it. So then, yeah, he when his hand got tired, he's like, all right, I'll just start charging more. <laughs> he made like he made a good bit of money that day. I bet he did. Didn't um, who just got that? Just happened with someone else. It was one of the 
women wrestlers, but I don't remember who it was. A fan wanted her to chop him or something. Well, I know Jamie Hader on like a podcast thing it was like chopping people. Oh, that was her probably. There was um the the guy that got the chop. By the way, they came around to him, and he had already started to bruise by the end of like this short clip video because he you could see the outline of Eric Young's hand on his chest, and it's like you know what, I've had that. It's not fun, but it also feels like that guy was overselling it. I don't know. Maybe it's whatever, but yeah, I've, I've had the hand print on before. I've had the red badge of honor. Um, they do that. That's a big popular indie thing in the South. Now is like the face takes the heel around and lets fans chop them. It's a good spot, but it, I'm worried it would get overplayed because I, um, I know Chris Zellner, who's on between the sheets was telling a story once that he was at some show and the barbarian was there and um, he was wearing like a Jimmy Valiant shirt, and he, like the barbarian walked by, and he was like, "Nice shirt, brother." And then mm-hmm. they were doing the chopping spot, and he brought him over to Zelda, and he's like, "Ooh, not so hard, brother." <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I didn't throw knife edge chops. Um, I didn't like doing it. The the very few occasions whenever I threw them, I threw like the, you know the the Paul White overhand ones, because. It's like, if I'm going to do it, that's how I'm going to do it. And I might have been a dick for doing that. but They used go. to do it way back in the day when Chuck Taylor would scare kids. Yeah. The face would like have some kid come up and chop him, and he'd sell for him. <laughs> you had to watch Chuck Taylor back in the day if like you had a water or something and you weren't paying attention because he'd die for that thing and chuck it on you. <laughs> or if they had a painting that had a lake in it. Yeah. That's my favorite, too. I'm going to drown him. (laughs) It's such a dumb joke, but it was so funny. Archibald Peck was such a treasure. Yeah. You know, there's a funny story with him talking about people that crap on comedy. He was talking about Ring of Honor was doing um, tryouts for people. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were having them do this top rope spot. Everyone did, you know, the same thing. And he says, well, I saw the ceiling was low, so I went up top. I hit my head on the ceiling, crotched myself on the top rope, and then bumped into the ring, and they hired me because I was the only guy that did something different. Yeah. We could talk about Chikara, like, all day. Mm-hmm. But I, I, sh- I, I think I – well, I posted it in our, like, our Discord, like, ages ago. But to me, like, did you – have you guys seen – uh, the clip from like a long time ago. It's like years old, but it's a clip of Orange Cassidy before he was like Orange Cassidy, even though he was called like Orange Cassidy. Maybe. It's like him. I think he's. I forget where they are. They they're in like I feel like the Northeast, maybe in New York, but whatever. It's it's basically it's Orange Cassidy, but he has like long hair, and by that time he's like going by a gimmick named. Like, where he's named Orange Cassidy, but he's almost like a California uh, stoner dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind and of an like, early gimmick. Yeah, but it's like someone at, the person like who's like recording the video, uh, and they're like, "Oh, who are you? Like, how long are you like how long are you gonna be here? How long often do you come to this area? Because it must not be New York. It must be like somewhere in New York." And it's like, "I'm Orange Cassidy, like all 
fucking day. I come here all the fucking time. I'm oh, that and he has like yeah. some sort of like fish with him, like a like a giant dead fish. And it's like, what is happening here? My- <laughs> it's so bizarre, and it's like it blew my mind. Cause it's we have the you know obviously an impression of Orange Cassidy, and it's like it's him totally being like a stoner like California dude, rattling off his stuff and saying shit, and it's like. It's bizarre, but it's my, it's funny as hell. My favorite is Jervis Cottonbelly like rocking him to sleep. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They should they <clears throat> should get they should AEW needs to get at least one appearance from Gentleman Jervis. I would hope so, but. Uh... <clears throat> well, I think that's it for this week. Yeah. I think so. I think that'll do it. Um, not sure what's coming down the pike, but we'll be here for you guys. And um, hope you all have a great week. Thank you for listening, whether it's as soon as it drops or if it's later on. Doesn't matter. We're just glad you listened. And uh, all three matches we talked about are on YouTube. And they are worth enjoying in their own specific mm-hmm. idiom. And um, we'll go with that. The, the Impact match, you have to look up Slammiversary 2017. It's on Impact's YouTube channel. It's about the one hour and 15 minute mark. Yeah. But they, they're kind enough, too, that they cut all the matches into chapters on that. So you just have to look for it. Yep. You can just go down the progress bar and it'll tell you. So. Yeah. Everybody, thank you for being with us. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>